welcome back to the Hope Hotline. It is Friday. Whoop whoop. I actually should be either with you on your ride home, potentially the last two hours, or hmm, what's three o'clock if you get off at five, the last two hours of work. Maybe you got your earbuds in, you're listening to me, giving you words of wisdom, little pearls that you'll use over the weekend. I can see, I can see myself. This is, listen, guys, I got to be me. That's all I'm going to say. I almost sang it to you, but I can see myself and like, I think I need neck surgery because my neck is getting a little wrinkly, you know, you know, that lady from Fox News, uh, she was their weatherman. Well, weather woman, she had neck surgery, guys. It went bad, so I don't think I'm going to do it. But that neck surgery, (laughs) I'm not kidding. That neck surgery took her out. She was gone for like four months. It was a botched job. Not good. I'm going to learn my lesson from Janine, whatever her name is, from Fox News. (laughs) Not doing the neck surgery. I'm going to stick with the wrinkles. I've earned them. My face, somebody told me that watches the podcast, they were like, I have to watch you because your face like expresses my girlfriend, Kristen. She's like, your face is like, I have to see you. Cause I was like, uh, Aaron was saying, you know, you can listen to it on Apple. What is it? Apple podcast. Um, you can watch it on Apple podcast if you want. And she's like, no, I have to see your face. I was like, yeah, these wrinkles guys, these wrinkles right up here. Those are like, I have to see myself now. Those I've earned. Like I express everything with this thing right here. Like my forehead is like, like I, I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the truth. Like when I was 30, I always had bangs, you know, like always have bangs. Now I'm forced to have bangs. And the reason I'm forced to have bangs is because I didn't know this. I went bangless. Uh, I think it was 35, 36, something like that. So I did away with the bangs and I pulled my hair back. I was stunned. I was shocked like at how many wrinkles I have on my forehead. Now, if any of you guys see me in church or whatever and you see me, you're going to look straight at this sucker right here. And I'm telling you, it's all my expression is with my like forehead. Like I do all of my expressing with my forehead. Like I, I love these things right here. They're my laugh lines. Cause I laugh a lot. Like my husband is like, like I told you, he wasn't good looking when I started dating him, but he was stinking funny. That's how he won me over. And like, he makes me laugh. Um, most of my friends, super funny. I laugh with them all the time. My family is hilarious. My son and daughter make me laugh so dang hard. So I laugh a lot. But um, so my face, it's taken, it's taken a strain, okay, <laughs> from the laughing, the expressing, like you, everything, happy, sad, whatever, every emotion that I have is on my face. You can read it. I'm very expressive with my face. So I went back to the bangs, men and, and women, uh, because I have to. Because my, ba- my forehead, 
is very wrinkled. So I'm not kidding you. I was shocked when I saw it. And I said to Tom, I'm like, I'm like, what in the world? Like my forehead's so wrinkled. He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> you didn't tell me? Like this is an art there. I'm like, you didn't tell me? He's like, I thought you knew. I'm like, no, I've had bangs all my life. Like, dang, I didn't have any clue that my forehead looked like it did. So it does. It's bad. But, you know, what are you going to do? I'm not going, like, whatever the woman's name is on Fox. Doing it. Look at Courtney Cox. Like, grow old gracefully. Like, there's nothing worse than a woman. Like, I'm 55. There's nothing worse than a woman who doesn't embrace, like, who she is and is always trying to keep that youth. You don't keep it. You look ridiculous. Like my lip, my upper lip. I'm all about me today. My upper lip, I have none. But I ain't getting that Botox in my lips. Come on. I'll stick to nothing, right? But those women, it's, it's crazy. Like, they all look the same. Me and Tom say this all the time. They're like, they all look alike. Like, when you get those jobs and stuff like that, so facial surgery, all, they all look alike. They're inflating this and blowing up that and whatever. Ridiculous. All right, question number one. Thank you for my therapy. Oh, darn. Hold on one second. I got to blow this up real quick so I can see everything nice and good. I'm not prepared, but I will be in two seconds. Here we go. Question number one. If I can get to it. Question number one. Lucky number one. Can you discuss the ways to speak to God? Does it always have to be through prayer and close down in the same, out in the name of Jesus? And can you just talk to him? Does it need to be out loud or can you speak to him silently? Well, I mean, I, for me, Oh, we did this question? They just told me we did this question. Oh, we sure as heck did. Let's go to number two. Let's go straight to number two. Hopefully, number two is new. Thank you, Heather. Because somebody was about to get their answer done twice. Okay. What are your thoughts Am I, this new girl, guys, what am I not, I'm renewing vows? Okay, God bless, keep me straight. Especially since I wasted eight minutes talking about me. <laughs> Which is like, I hate to say this, but I am one of my favorite topics. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love me. I mean, I don't hate me, I love me. And listen, for those of you who have self-deprecation, get over it, love yourself. Crying out loud. There ain't nobody else better than yourself. Everybody else is second to that, right? Whatever. All right. What are your thoughts on renewing vows after being saved? We were married by a pastor, but not in a church, and we were not saved at the time. Our understanding of marriage in each of our roles is much different now. Honestly, I would not use the word obey in my vows because it didn't sit well with me at the time. And now I, now I see how silly that was. Oh, I love that. It's like, seriously, like to recognize that is like, that's huge. Um, I think I know who this one is. I think this one, I think this one's one of my friends. Um, cause I think, 
yeah, I'm pretty sure this is one of my friends. But um, okay, so I don't think it's necessary to renew your vows at all. I don't think that you have to do it. I think you made a commitment before God. It's a covenant. The covenant does not change. Just like uh, in the Bible, uh, a covenant is a covenant. And uh, the covenant stands for, believe it or not, a lot of covenants that the Lord made, they, they coexist if you're saved or not saved. So like, um, so somebody who's not saved, but they live a biblical principle out, they actually will reap that biblical covenant. Um, I, that's crazy, but God is true to his word. And it's just like his gifts and callings are irrevocable. So like... If you are a pastor, you walk away and you don't want to be a pastor anymore, but God's called you to be a pastor, that gift and calling is not taken away from you. It'll be something that God's always called you to do and always something he wants you to walk out. And um, so if you, if you did, if you were called to do something and you feel like you've walked away from that because you didn't want to do it, but you're like, mm, I think I want to go back to it. Go back to it because gifts and callings are not taking taken away. Uh, maybe you didn't like. Um, I've had family members who've been in ministry, and uh, they've walked. You know, said, you know what? I'm not going to do this for right now. I'm not going to do this anymore. I just want to do something else. Guess what? At some point, that calling that God gave them is still available for them to go back to if they so desired, which is great because God is so good about that. And um, I mean, like as a parent, we would do the same thing with our kid, right? We wouldn't say, well, you, you, you decided not to do that anymore, so we're not gonna let you do that. No, we would say like, no, let's revisit this. Let's see you're more mature now. Your um, outlook on things is a little bit different on, on how you would do it or your calling. So let's try it again. So that's how God is with us. and. Um, and he's so grace, gracious in that and merciful. So I would say when you made that commitment and you made that covenant with your husband, um, whether or not you were saved at the time, it's, it's still the same. It's not changed. It's not better. It's not worse. It's nothing. I will say that I have seen plenty of people renew their vows that um, went from being um, not saved to saved. And the reason they did it uh, was more for themselves, not really to establish um, the covenant that was made and make it stronger. It's not going to be stronger. It's like faith. Faith is faith. Um, it doesn't become stronger. We're all given the same measure of faith, right? So um, we're all given a measure of faith. So it doesn't matter. It's, it's what you use in that measure, right? So your covenant with your spouse is not going to change. Uh, what will change is how you uh, respond to that covenant and, and how you live out that covenant with one another. Now it's God-centered, whereas it before it was probably me-centered. Um, so a lot of times people want to renew vows because um, – it's more personal to them. They look at that covenant in a different way. And so that um, they're just wanting to make that bond to one another in a more deeper spiritual aspect versus anything else. I say, and if that's the case, I say do it. Like make it something beautiful and a great memory. I've seen, literally I've seen people actually, when they renew their vows, it, it was like a real wedding, like white dress, um, flowers, church, guests, like they had like a guest list. 
I mean, people, they, it was like a true experience for them. And then I've seen it really small and intimate where it was just maybe a few of their friends. We've even done one um, here at the church, not in this building, in our previous building. We actually did one where it was um, at the very, after we worshiped, uh, they actually renewed their vows in front of the whole entire church because they felt like the church was their family. And they wanted to make that commitment in front of everyone. Um, our church was smaller then, so it wasn't um, an issue. Now it'd be, we wouldn't be able to do anything like that. But it was very precious and sweet, and everybody was crying. And, it, you know, it was, it was a big deal, and it was wonderful. It was, it was a precious time for them and for all of us. So uh, I say do it. Um, if, if that's the reason why and, and live it up and have fun and go as small or as big as you want. I always, you know, I'm the big or go home kind of girl, but I mean, hello, that's expensive. So maybe you just keep it small and intimate. <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, I will tell you this. What I love about uh, what you wrote is that your thoughts on the word obey have changed. I will tell you this, when I got married to Tom, I was adamant that the word obey is, it was in my vows. Um, and every, like, you can't find any vows that have the word obey in them anymore. Like, it, it, like even the traditional ones, it's gone. I mean, every place that we looked, and thank God my mother, because I kept saying to the pa pastor, just remember, put because I had put the word obey in, in and I wrote it in, I kept making sure he knew well up to that day like my mom thank goodness my mom went to him and said now remember she wants the word obey in there and he was like oh wait a minute oh oh okay like it was brand new news to him so when we went up and had our vows done and I said the word obey in my vows the room gasped I'm not kidding you people like oh they did they, oh like that you could hear it and I'm like what in the world this is crazy you, it, like the word obey is like taboo like you shouldn't have that as a woman like if you can't if if you're gonna marry somebody and you can't trust them by adding the word obey into your vows like you're not putting it in there like you can't uh make that commitment because of the what, what you might be afraid that they might ask you to obey you, you should not marry that person. Seriously. Like, what are you doing? If you can't put that word in there, then what are you doing? You should just pick somebody else. Ditch that one and add, pick somebody else because everybody, as a woman, should pick a man that no matter what comes your way, that word can be in there. So, <clears throat> in other words, after about five to ten minutes on the topic, I say do it if you want to. So, let's move to question number three. Is there any chance that someone who has taken their own life through suicide can enter into heaven? Now, the word is very, very clear. And this is a very, I mean, this is a super sensitive topic. I think each and every single one of us, to some extent, have um, known somebody or known of, of a friend or of someone that has had a family member or someone take their life. I, I mean, for me personally, I don't have a family member that has, but I have friends who do. And um, 
it's super sense it's a super sensitive topic um and one that should be uh dealt with um um like well that was nice i don't know if anybody heard that that music i'm gonna that's my background music for two seconds that comes from the very man that tells me to shut my phone off and turn it down every single time there's a podcast. Mine, my husband's. I'm never letting that man ever live that down. My bad. Thank you. He said, my bad. It's okay. It's my podcast. You can do whatever you want. I'm not distracted. I am distracted, but I'm okay with it because I can handle it. Um, <clears throat> so what I was going to say is... Um, Whenever you, um, like for me, um, I want to talk about this subject with great sensitivity and kindness and um, being concerned with people's feelings, but I will not just deter myself from speaking the truth, okay? So when I talk about this, don't, just because I haven't had a family member or even a friend, uh, I haven't had to walk out this out personally um that doesn't change the fact that the word is the word and it doesn't change the fact um that it, the truth has to be spoken first corinthians three sixteen through 17 says do you not know that you are the temple of god and that the spirit of god dwells in you so your body is his temple okay and we know how he feels about what he makes before, he, before you were formed in the womb, it says that he knew you. So you are very precious and very important to him. He's the one that created you. And then it goes on to say, if anyone defiles the temple, defiles the temple of God, that would be through uh, misuse of your body, drugs, alcohol, any kind of abuse that you can actually put on your body. This is what it's talking about, including suicide it says if anyone defiles the temple of god god will destroy him for the temple of god is holy which temple you uh which temple you are so you are super super important only god can and he says your days are numbered he has numbered them okay uh, throughout the word, it says, if you'll do these things, long life will I give you. So honoring your parents gives you long life. It says that in um, Genesis, it says we should live 120 years, just like Moses. So our number days are numbered, but really he purposed that we live 120. Now, there are some places that speak about 75 and things like that. But truthfully, those, that's, those numbers are those somebody's calling my phone um your days are actually um even if it's 120 years that you get to live in that 120 he decides what day that will be in the 120 now a lot of people don't believe that they don't want to live like me i don't really want to live to 120 i'm gonna be honest with you i see no point like my neck can you imagine my neck at 120 come on can you imagine my forehead at 120? Like, that's a lot of expression. That's a lot of years of full expression. Like, some people, like, I'm really grateful. Like, I don't have a big forehead, but can you imagine if I did? Well, 
You'll see that coming a mile away. Holy crap. Um, so um, my husband, though, he does want to live to be 120, but really the only reason he wants to is out of principle and spite. He's going to make a point. Like everybody says you can't do it or whatever. And Tom's like, you baloney, you can, and I'm going to do it. So, and that's what I told him one time. I'm like, you're not, you don't really, like, it's more out of spite for you. And he's like, that's right. It absolutely is. So I'm like, yeah, not me. He can marry a, a younger version, which would wait, like younger version at 120. You'll be lucky if it's 90, right? Because ain't nobody in their 60s are going to want nobody in 120. That's disgusting. I mean, Tom's going to look hot. I mean, yeah, I will tell you, like, my husband, he will be prosperous. <laughs> like, his pension, they ain't making any money off of him, off his pension, if he lives to be 120. Well, when he lives to be 120, because, whoo. But, yeah, he'll probably marry somebody in their 60s who's also hot. I don't know. I, I won't care. By then, I, I really won't care. I'll be honest with you. Whatever. Live it up. I don't know. Younger version. I don't care. As long as she ain't 40. If she's 40 and he's 120, I'm going to be ticked. Yeah. I know I'll be dead. I don't care. Whatever. So, um, back to the topic at hand. So, um, what I will say is this. No one knows what someone thinks and someone does in their last hours or in their last breath. And that's just the facts. A lot of people like say, um, and Tom and I have talked about this, um, like people, um, sometimes when people kill themselves, it's instantaneous, okay? But then sometimes when people kill themselves, it's not. It's not. It's not something that happens very quickly for them. And my opinion, because I base it on the word of God, is um, God is fighting for us and our soul down to our last breath. He loves us. He wants to spend eternity with us. And um, I believe that no one knows what someone does in their final hours or minutes. No one knows um, if someone was killed instantaneously. Even if a coroner says they died right away. No one knows that. They, no one knows. No one knows what happens. And so for me, I truly believe that um, someone that commits suicide, if in their last final breaths, they said, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of what I've done. I, I, I'm sorry. He's merciful. And there's just, I have no doubt in my heart and in my mind. It says, if we confess our sins and believe that he is just, and he is just to forgive them, then we are saved. And so for me, I sit there and go, if somebody asked for forgiveness, they repented. And um, it's just like the, the, the robber or the thief on the cross. Uh, one, when Jesus was on the cross between two thieves, one mocked and the other one says, Lord, I believe in you. I want to spend eternity with you. In his final moments, you know, or his final hours, Jesus said, you will. You'll join me in paradise. And so um, I believe the same for someone who's committed suicide and repents. And I believe and has a change of heart on what they did. And I do believe they do go to heaven. So nothing, um, 
nothing, I, I know what that scripture says, but I also know uh, that God looks at the heart. And um, we're all judged on our heart. So um, if there's forgive, if, if you ask for forgiveness and you repent, I believe God honors that. So I hope that answers your question. I hope that brings you peace. But the truth is, if you do not ask for forgiveness and you take your own life, the word is true. The scriptures are clear um, that people who commit suicide, they don't go to heaven. And that's a tough pill to swallow. I think uh, suicide is a very selfish act because no matter what the reason is behind the suicide, and a lot of times people commit suicide because of, of um, inner turmoil, maybe it's uh, mental issues, um, depression, whatever it is, it doesn't state in the scripture that if it's a good reason, then um, God looks at that. That's not that's not the truth. But um, there's lots of reasons why people commit suicide, and a lot of time I I don't know of one reason that it isn't self motivated. Um, it's a very selfish act because most of the time or all the time the person never thinks about the others. In fact, even when they say I did this for my family, um, truthfully. The inner core of that, if it was examined and you looked at the person that says this and you looked at their heart, the odds are it was still self-motivated. So um, I am clear. I hope I'm clear. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. But at the end of the day, I'm always going to speak truth. And that's just the way it is. So <clears throat> and that is a tough, tough subject and a very tough question. So. Can you explain what lukewarm means? Is there a deeper meaning than just referencing the temperature of water? Well, I mean, if you look at parables, um, if you look at parables, the reason why uh, Jesus used parables, it was based on things that people feel uh, could feel, taste, smell, smell. It was occupations, ways of life. That's the reason why those things are examples. And in this case, I would say, I mean, yeah, there is, and I'm gonna try and maybe go a little deeper with you, but at the fact, at the end of the day, cold is cold, hot is hot, lukewarm is lukewarm. It is temperature related. I mean, that's the facts. The cold is the person that's not saved. The hot is somebody who is saved and a believer. And the lukewarm is a person that tries to live both lifestyles. They were, they're maybe once cold or they're cold as far as they live in the world and they act like the world. But then there are times they, they you know, maybe have moments where they want to be a Christian or it's convenient for them to be a Christian. So they... Um, kind of dabble in it you know whatever the case may be now they're a little now they're hot right or they were very very saved I, you know I, I really liken this to uh they're like trying to live both lifestyles they want to be the world they want to be saved so so they try to mesh the two of them together into a cohesive thing and it says in the word that to, a house divided will not stand 
it's not going to work. It's, uh, it's, it's just, you can't. You can't, you don't mix uh, hot and cold. In fact, lukewarm kind of, um, when, when it was talking about this, and I can't remember the town or the place that it was, but there is a town, I think it was Laodicea, actually. Laodicea, and the reason why um, this, so, so it does kind of have a deeper biblical way, but Mitch, but I wish I would have looked it up to what town. In this particular place, and I think it was, uh, hold on, Revelations 3. I'm going to look this up really quick. It's Revelations 3.16, but uh, where it's Laodicea. Gosh, thank you, Lord. So Laodicea had a town. In this town, there was um, a stream. There was some um, means of water that flowed through this town, okay? And the temperature of the water was lukewarm. Nobody really wanted to drink it because it wasn't cold. And so that was one of the reasons why this example was used because it kind of was like, yuck. Who likes drinking lukewarm water? Okay, either we want it to be room temperature or we want it to be cold. Unless you're out in like Alaska or something like that and they're warming up the water to drink it in the cabin because they ain't got tea or coffee. And they do. They actually drink hot water to warm their, their body up. Nobody drinks lukewarm water though. And, and that was the point. Um, in this town, nobody wanted to drink the water. It was lukewarm. It did not, it was not good. So nobody did. Um, so I guess there is a deeper, I hope, I guess that's the deeper meaning, but because it was something that was relatable, just like, um, when, uh, Jesus gave the parable of the sower, he gave that to people cause they were farmers. They were out there, um, you know, planting seed and, and getting crop and harvesting and things like that. So in this case, that's the reason why lukewarm was used okay so hopefully that helps but the definition of uh lukewarm is lacking conviction and it's half-hearted and that's that's accurate like if you're if you're trying to do uh both you're half-hearted in both you're half-hearted in being uh lost and you're half-hearted in being saved like who wants that like i'm a passionate person i like I, i'm not a screamer like tom if you watch tom's podcast it's a whole lot of screaming. Like, I'm not a screamer, but he's very, very passionate. And the more passionate he is about the subject, the louder he gets and the sc more screaming he gets. Um, like, if you're standing in front of him, in front of the camera, your hair would fly back because his screaming's so loud. Like, he's a loud screamer. Uh, but he's very passionate. So, like, passion is important. You should be, like, fervent about something. Like... It drives me crazy when I meet uh, people who are real passive and like nothing really bothers them. They're like easygoing, like s seriously, like they just are, there's nothing that they're all in all into, you know, it's like, whatever. Uh, no, like you have to be passionate about things. You have to be like in completely, in or out do it do it like that well of the lukewarm so revelation three sixteen says so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot i will vomit you out of my mouth so god prefers you be passionate about being lost or being saved 
Otherwise, he's going to vomit you out of his mouth. I don't know about you, but I hate to vomit. I hate throwing up. I would hate to be the throw up that's I'm throwing up. Okay, but I definitely would not want to be the vomit that's coming out of God's mouth. Okay, and realistically speaking, if you live a lukewarm lifestyle, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. So here's the thing. We know that the lost that are cold don't go to heaven. We know that the hot go to heaven. But we also know that God is going to vomit you out of his mouth being the lukewarm. So is that some beyond being cold? I don't know. Like, but I wouldn't want to find out. Revelation 3.15 says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. So he knows your lifestyle. And in so much, you're not even cold. You're not, it's not even that you're not saved. It's like, it's worse. And you're not hot. And he said, I could wish you were cold or hot. And that's where he goes on to say, but because you're not cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. So God feels like it's far superior to be one or the other. You know, I think it's hilarious. I think it's funny. Um, like in a lot of the associated related churches, which the abbreviation for that is ARC, um, A-R-C, like a lot of these churches are very much like this. And they're producing one lukewarm believer out at a time. I mean, like they're just pumping these guys out because really there's no conviction. There's no holiness taught. It's a whole lot of motivational speaking. It's not like living your best life now. How do you live your best life now? You're never told. Um, it's God is great. God is purposeful. It's all these things and all these things that God's going to do for your life. But the, the fact of the matter is, is there's no, this is, how God does it for you, and what is expected in order to have God do this for you. Like, it's super, super important that you can't leave holiness out. But the thing is, is with certain denominations and certain teachings, it's, that means it's work-based. And that is not the word. The word, is, the word work um, is in, in that we as believers are to work. It's throughout the scriptures. Um, but what that what happens is is if you tell somebody that in order to get something you must do something then what happens is nobody wants to do that so that doesn't fill the pews and it doesn't fill the baskets and so we'll just leave that out because it's all about the numbers and it's all about the money but at the end of the day what happens to the person that you are supposed to be winning to the lord they don't know. They don't open their Bibles. They don't know they're not saved. I can't tell you how many times people come to this church that come from these um, associated or related churches. They walk into our church and they are hearing the gospel for the first time. They're hearing that there's expectations of them. They're hearing that you're, you can't lie. Are you kidding me? I didn't know that was like a sin. They don't know that you can't gossip. Like, I mean, these things are like simple, like things that are in the word that the, it, it, it's very clear. If you do these things, you'll not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Not taught, not talked about. And these people think, okay, well, I got a fresh start and a new beginning, whatever that means. And so I'm heaven bound. That's just not the case. 
God has expectations, just like a good parent does. You don't meet those expectations, then there's outcomes, cause and effect. We're taught that in elementary school. And that is not what's taught in the churches today. And there will be many people who are surprised and dismayed. And I'm telling you right now, they are going to be pastors at the top of this list. Because they don't read their Bible either. What they do is they pull up on sermon.com a whole list of sermons that they're going to teach for the whole entire year. And then they buy all of the graphics and all of the props and stuff that goes with them. They don't open their Bible. They memorize the message that is given that they've bought to plan out the year. And they're going to be surprised that what they memorized is not the Word of God. It's like sermons.com. It's what makes sermons.com money like this industry that pumps out these messages that don't preach anything you can grain again you know your growth track will go real great you know and your connect groups will be real big but nobody's saved and you're going to answer to god for that as pastors and then you yourself if you participated in this and you haven't opened the word of god for yourself and examined like what you're being taught whether it's truth or not then you'll answer to God because it'll be two destinations, heaven or hell, you know? And really, it's all about that, but people forget about it. So Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters. So being hot or cold, you can't be both. You can't. You can't be hot or cold. You have to be one or the other. It says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The mammon is money. So um, at the end of the day, you have choices to make. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve, uh, you cannot serve the world and serve the Lord. The Lord demands and commands that he be your one and only. And I would highly suggest that he be your choice. And if he isn't, at the end of this podcast, we will make sure that I give you the opportunity uh, to make that commitment. Best decision you'll ever make in your whole entire life. Um, Let us go to the next question, which is, this one's funny. This is really funny. And I love, it's a lady. And once I read the question to you, you'll know it's a lady too, unless it's somebody who lives a homosexual lifestyle. And in which case, we got to solve that problem first because this ain't going to work. But I love your sense of humor. Oh my gosh, you're so my kind of person. It says, where are all the single men? First of all, I have no idea. I'm married. Second, I am looking for a godly man that doesn't drink smoke or do drugs i applaud you help us hope (laughs) i don't know if i can this is where it gets even funnier because they apparently go to our church (laughs) which is i might have to have aaron work something out for me can you tell us how many single men are in our church i have no idea or maybe have pastor do an altar, altar call for all the single men. Oh my God. All us single women can take a look. Oh my. Oh. I, I have to tell you, I read this and I laughed so dang hard and the room is laughing really hard too. 
You know what they used to do, like, when, um, like, you know, I thought about saying this but not saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway because I don't really care. Um, I mean, we could do what they did back in the slave t- uh, slave times, back in biblical slave times. You know, when Joseph was captured, you know, his brother sold him into slavery. And they would take all the slaves and they bring them out one by one. I can do this for you. I don't know how appropriate it will be. We can just march each one out. Now, I'm not going to do this part for you because this is inappropriate. And I draw the line in some places. They would have to be naked back then. Okay. We're not going to do that for you. And I don't think you really want us to. Lust of the eyes is just as bad as lust of the flesh. But um, here we go. So I don't know. Like, seriously, I don't know how many single men we have in our church. I know we have some single men in our church that I would never set anybody up with because Lord knows they need Jesus. And they're a little (laughs) cray-cray. There's a reason why they're single. (laughs) I wouldn't set them up. In fact, there was one recent, and and I don't know if, like, there's one recent that just recently got married. He's a cutie pie. He, and his wife, his new wife's cute. She's a sweet girl, too. But, I mean, he's pretty much, like, not that he's the only one. I mean, I know of some others, and I don't know how old you are. So, like, we have some really nice, cute, sweet young men. So if you're in your 20s, I might be able to hook you up. Seriously. Because we have some good 20-something-year-old boys. And they're sweet. I know them because they're my daughter's friends. And they're, they love the Lord. They're really great. They're not desperate. That's a key. You don't want a desperate man. But you don't want to be a desperate woman. Because that smells. Um, now, if we go into our 30s, ladies, it's going to get a little tougher. I think this guy was in his 30s. He's cute. He's off, he's off the market, though. Like, he, he just recently got married. Um, and he's not weird. He's actually got a good head on his shoulders. Um, I, I don't know. Help me out, girls. Do you know of anybody that's young? Or that's not even young in his 30s that we might be able to hook some women up with? Okay, if you're in your 40s, it's going to get a lot sparser. A lot sparser. Um, yeah, hey, listen, guys. If you go to the church, Heather, this is Heather's idea. This is not my idea. Just so you know. She said put something in the offering box that you're available. I'll find out who this lady is. Okay? I mean, we, we might be able to play the dating game. You never know. But here's the thing. If it goes bad, I want no parts of it. True. I don't, I don't want any responsibility. I don't want to, like, eat it. It's all you. But, you know, if you're a guy and you're watching this and you're single and you ain't nuts, you, you got a job, <laughs> you're not living with your mother in your basement, you actually work, you don't drink, her prerequisites, which are very good, you can't drink, you can't smoke, and you can't do drugs. Those are, those are all good. Those qualify you. Put your name. Oh, yeah, you got to tithe. That's an Aaron thing. You got to tithe. Because if you don't tithe, like if you guys get hooked up and married, 
you're going to take this woman down a swirling toilet and that we just can't have that. So <clears throat> put your name in the basket. Heather will hook you up. You have to, ladies, ladies, you have to tell us who you are. You have to all love Jesus of marrying age. Very important to be able to be marrying, have to be able to date. We'll see what we can do to help you out. But other than that, I don't know what to tell you because I don't know. Like, that's a, that's a doozy. I will tell you this, though. Like, it's when you don't look for it. Like, seriously, when you, I know everybody says, I'm just telling you. Seriously, like, I, when I moved down here, I moved from Washington, D.C., like plethora, right? I, I didn't, I was like, Tom, I mean, I, I dated every nationality there is. Like, I, I don't care. Doesn't bother me a bit. Whatever. If you, I didn't care if you were ugly. I didn't care if you were good looking. I didn't care. Like, I wasn't marrying anybody. I was just out having fun. So, um, dating's fun. So, I wasn't, I wasn't looking for anything serious. But I will tell you, when you're not looking is when it actually happens. Because I moved down here to Florida, and I'm like, at the time, this was like 20-plus years ago, and seriously, like, this area of, I, I moved to Venice. It was pasture land, so I was like, I've moved to the country. Like, you moved from D.C., like, buildings all over the place. Like, it's, it's a city. There is no pasture land, really, unless you go out to, like, the mountains so uh pasture land i'm like I've, I've moved to the country the age at the time the demographics was like retirement age like was 80 percent. okay i literally remember saying to my mother i'm gonna be an old maid and i'm gonna have to pickle my eggs because there ain't no way i'm finding anybody around here but you know and i'm like like whatever like I've moved down here I needed to get my life right with God and I was fine with at the time I was finally I don't care but almost a year later I meet meet Tom I wasn't looking at all and he wasn't much to look at anyway so like it wasn't a big deal I went out with him to be friends and to laugh because like I said he was hilarious and it worked out I will tell you, that's what you got to do. Most people that I know that find their forever mate and they don't find it in a bar or some ungodly place, they literally were just relaxed about it. They just, if somebody wanted to go out, they went out with them. They had fun. There was no, no, um, like, they're not desperate, but not like, like, Future wasn't like the future with that person. It wasn't all in hanging in the balance. It was like, we're going to go out tonight. We'll see where that takes us. Um, obviously, you have to be attracted to the person. I would tell you, I wasn't attracted to Tom, so you don't really necessarily have to be. I mean, they can literally, I'm not telling, I'm not kidding you. Like, he was not cute. He weighed a lot. Like, a lot. He and his hair and his clothes were not good like not good but you can develop the person and then he lost a lot of weight and then instead of him chasing me i was chasing him 
So it can happen. So keep your mind and heart opened. If the guy's a great guy, he's not weird, he's not desperate, you might have a package. And you just might have to like make it into a better package. You might be able to do that. I don't know. Work your magic. Be open. Because you, know, you might think, well, this person isn't my, my kind or my, my type. If he's not weird, but you can make him into something, he might be your type. You just never know. So give it a shot. And again, there's always Heather. There is Heather. Put your names in the tithe, ba- tithe, tithe box, and she might be able to, to work something out for you. I'm leaving this all up to Heather. Don't come to her. <laughs> Heather's saying, don't come to her directly. Just put it in the box. <laughs> so you've all got your, you all got your, uh, everybody who's single has your, uh, what do you call those? Your guidelines, your marching orders, your guidelines. Let's see what Heather can do. Oh. I'm pretty excited about this. Oh, oh, and also here's another thing. So people, like this was a really good idea. One of my friends, uh, um, she said, "Is are like people going to tell you like after you give them advice, like what's happened? I never thought about that. So if my advice worked or it helped you in any way, please let us know. If you've got, if it doesn't help you, I don't want to know. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I can handle that. <laughs> I don't know if my, I, I mean, I got big shoulders, but if I've thrust you into a depression, I don't want to know about it. <laughs> if you've gone to the bottle, please don't tell me. But if you've gotten saved, I definitely want to know about that. I definitely want to know that. But. Shut up, Heather. Heather, all Heather can picture is somebody with Jack Daniels at, Jack Daniels at the kitchen table. <laughs> the whole hotline did this to me. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, drinking out of the custom mug. I got to sell these things. You can, well, I don't, I was about to say you can pour your Jack in there, but I, I beg to differ. <laughs> you can't pour anything other than water or soda. Or maybe a Red Bull in this sucker. And if other people heard me say that, they say no Red Bull. So. Oh, my goodness. Whew, that was funny. <clears throat> oh, I got nine minutes. Okay. Hop, hop, hop. We got to get you one more question. And then we'll, and I hope I can get it done in time. Okay. Question number six. Why does it seem like more Christians are hypocrites than not? Oh. That's a good question. And... I would say because they're an imperfect people and um, some of them are lukewarm. I think um, it says narrow is the way and there are few that be that find it. And so I think that scripture is very true. So a lot of people uh, pretend to be a Christian and so you're looking at them and you believe they're a Christian and in all actuality, they're not. They just play the part. I remember um, Tom tells this story. It's super funny. Or it's, it's super true, actually. Um, when he first got saved, he came from the Catholic Church. <clears throat> he, he went to a, a, an Assembly of God church that's down the road. And at the time, the church was in revival. Great church uh, at the time. Um, <clears throat> I don't really know anything about it right now. So, I, I mean, to, to, to speak of it, I, I won't do that. But um, he said when he got saved that he thought everyone in that church— 
was like on fire for God. They lived a holy lifestyle that they were perfect because he looked at himself and he realized how imperfect he was and he was fresh. So like there were so many things that God needed to weed out of his life. And uh, what eventually happens is, is the more you, the more you grow in your walk with God, the more you realize that Christians are an imperfect people. And they, they really are. I mean, all of us have faults and flaws. It's what we do with them. It's how, what, what, what are we like, um, are we portraying that we're perfect? Are we portraying that we, um, that we are not perfect, but we're striving for perfection. So uh, what happens a lot of times is like the men in the pulpit, they will never see you uh, be real. They'll, they'll never allow you to know that they have real struggles or they have real experiences like everybody else does, um, that they have to exercise their faith um, in ways that others do, um, that life circumstances come calling to them as well. Uh, that maybe they didn't respond to a situation biblically or correctly. So transparency is huge. You don't like, you don't want people to give an excuse for their bad behavior. So they're like, okay, well, there's somebody that I look up to, but they're not perfect, so I don't have to be perfect. That's not what God's word says. God says we are to be perfect as he is perfect. All of us are striving for that. But through that, at times we'll look like hypocrites. It's the heart behind. So what I would tell you to do is know that narrow is the way and there are a few that be that find it. And most people will be hypocritical. But there will be people that are true blue and they will do things that are hypocritical. They will do things that they will falter and fail. No one has, has made it yet. It's what you your expectation is and what your grace level is for others. And I would say to you, uh, examine yourself. Like, do you think do things that people uh, if they were watching you would they say you're a hypocrite i don't know you only can answer that question self-examination is super super important and a lot of times hypocrisy is at an all-time high is because again preaching uh, of holiness is not in the church anymore uh that that is like considered heresy to tell people they are to be holy as God is holy, you know, and that we are to be Christ-like. When we say we're a Christian, that means we are Christ-like. We are followers of him. We, uh, we um, are examples of him. We, um, we do what he did. We live as he lived. Um, that's not considered to be that's not considered to be uh what you need to do anymore it's more of grace 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 and you know paul clearly talks about grace does not um give you permission to sin in fact he clearly says that it's completely opposite of that <clears throat> so in second timothy 3 through 5 it says for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires and this sounds like the church of today but in, according to their own desires, because, uh, excuse me, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers, which would be pastors, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So they don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear that you have to be uh, 
Christ-like. You don't you do have rules that you have to abide by. You have guidelines that, that God has set for us, boundaries that are provided to us for our safety and, 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 and uh, protection. Um, but it says, but you be watchful in all things, endure inflict affl afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So what I would say to you is you look at these people and you say they're hypocrites. Let me ask you. Are you watchful in all things? Do you endure afflictions? Afflictions, And are you doing the work of an evangelist? Because you, as a fruit inspector, or somebody who is bothered by the lifestyles of other people who call themselves believers, you yourself also have um, things in the word that you're supposed to be doing and looking to. And it says for you to fulfill your ministry. Be very mindful of that. The consequence of sin is not preached. In Matthew 7, 22 through 24, it says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you, are, you who practice lawlessness. Every hypocrite, every person that is lukewarm or cold, that is, if you claim like the lukewarm, this is where it'll apply. The lukewarm, he, they'll say, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you, you worker of iniquity, which is lawlessness. Like, <clears throat> it's very, very clear that there's a consequence for hypocrisy. Let that not be us. There are seven types of hip hypocrites. Ones that say, do as I say and not as I do. And everybody needs to examine themselves that is listening to this podcast. Is this you? Because this is a good point. Lots of people are hypocrites. That's a fact. And we need to examine ourselves and say, are we this? Do as I say, not as I do. The rules apply to others, but they do not apply to me. It, it is always someone else's fault. Oh, my word. I see this all the time. All the time. People have an excuse for every single thing that they do, and it's never them. Personal responsibility has gone out the window. We have learned it from the, the government all the way down. People never take responsibility for their actions anymore. There's always an excuse. I can remember I, I told this to um, a, a girl that's wanting to go into ministry. Um, she's a phenomenal young lady. But I told her, I, when I was young, I was like um, 21 or 22, <clears throat> I think it was 22, I worked at a job, and I never realized that this was me until I had a boss who, you know, everything that I did, I have had an excuse why it wasn't my fault. And I remember him s sitting me down, and he said, do you, do you realize that every single thing that I tell you that you do wrong or that you've done wrong, you have an excuse for, but it's never you. Oh my gosh, how embarrassing is that? I walked out of that meeting and I had to think to myself, I was like, he is absolutely right. Like every single thing that he probably has told me that ne needed to be fixed or whatever, I've always had an excuse, but it was never my fault. And then I started examining myself, like in my personal life, outside of my work life and I'm like I do that all the time now here's what I'm not telling you and the people in this room will tell you that I am exactly like this listen I am not gonna say it's my fault for something I believe that is not my fault a lot of times 
I have to be convinced. But I don't do. When I know it was me, I don't blame somebody else. I take the heat and I eat it. And I don't like it. But that's what you do. Because that is what's right. So if you don't ever take personal responsibility, you need to. It'll be very freeing for you. But don't become one of these people that everything's now your fault and you're sorry about everything. I never say I'm sorry unless I know I was wrong. I don't because I don't want to become one of those people that just kowtows to everything. I'm very, I'm a black and white person and pretty much everybody knows that. I'm black and white. If it's my fault, I'll, I'll, I'll say I'm sorry. If I don't believe it's my fault, I'm not. If I'm convinced that it's my fault, I will, though. Anyone who points out my wrongdoing should be punished. And there are a lot of people that are like that. If you tell them that they are wrong and you can show them they're wrong, nobody wants to tell this person because what's going to happen, there's consequences for telling somebody that um, they've done something wrong. They're going to make you pay. We all know people who are like that. The perpetual victim. How many hypocrites do you know that they're the perpetual victim? I can't stand victim, victimization mentality. Isn't that how you say that? Victimization? Victimhood. Thank you. That's even easier. Condescending, patronizing, and superior. Cannot stand that. Nobody, nobody needs to be talked, in a, talked to in a condescending patronizing or superior way i have i have been this person i sometimes even have to watch it because i can be very condescending at times i have to watch it and it's ugly it's 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 just not the right way to speak to anyone or to treat anyone it's a horrible horrible way to be um lies and excuses again not taking responsibility and time to self-examine. And that is exactly what needs to be done. If you are any of these things, then you're a hypocrite. Okay? That doesn't mean that you live a lifestyle of hypocrisy. That means that you have pockets that are hypocritical. And you need to fix those. And I would say pretty much everybody has one of those seven things that they need to work on. I don't think I know one person at all that doesn't meet one of those things at different times some of us live like that and some of us live pockets of it and struggle with it and there's two different ways it's like sin either you live like that and that's sin and you're going to hell for it or you struggle with sin and you're always working you're a work in progress and you're always trying to better yourself you're always um you know knowing that oh man that's, I don't want to be like that. I'm not going to do that again. God forgive me. Or whatever the case may be. Which will lead us straight to where we're at right now. If you are a person that lives a lifestyle of sin, but you do not want to live that way any longer, or you've walked away from God, and you just know that nothing was better than when you walked with him, today's your day. I'm going to give you the opportunity right now to get saved, to dedicate your life or rededicate your life to him. So what I ask you to do right now is to say this prayer with me. And after you're done, from this moment on, you live for him. You turn your back. And uh, it says to repent is 360 degree turn. That means you 
turn and go the opposite direction. It's 360 degrees going the opposite direction. Or it's 180. It's a 180 degree turn, correct? I was thinking 360, that's 180, 180. I'm just doing a complete circle. Okay, we don't want you to do a circle. We want you to do 180. So you're going to repent. You're going to go the opposite direction of where you're headed right now. And I just say, say this prayer with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you and we pray. And you're going to pray this prayer right now. Heavenly Father, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And from this moment on, I live for you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. If you said that prayer, you are now saved. And I would say to you strongly, get a good Bible. King James, New King James, New King James, perfect. Get an Amplified. Get in that word. Okay? Find a really great holiness-based church, which is going to be very, very difficult for you to do. And what I would tell you to do is if you're, and for everybody, if your church has a marquee or uh, or a um, bulletin or uh, they post their sermons on like their website, go to their sermons, find the title, look it up and see if it's on sermon.com or if it's on the internet. Then you're going to find out if your church is buying or purchasing associated related churches material. Then you're going to know if you're in a really strong based Christian church. If they are pulling and kiping their messages off the internet, I say run the opposite direction. That means if you have to start your own Bible study or find a good Bible study with some friends, move to a good church um, or watch one online, then you do it. You do not, it says that we are to take captive of every thought, okay? You do not want thoughts of bad teaching in your mind, okay? You're to be very careful what your ears hear. So I would say if you, uh, if your church is, is doing that stuff, leave it. It's not good. Like, leave it yesterday. Find a good church, plug in, get discipled, let us know that you got saved, and we're going to stand with you, we're going to pray with you, and we're going to believe with you for a good, healthy, strong Christian walk. I thank you. Today's Friday. Tomorrow's Saturday. That means it's the weekend. Have a great night. Enjoy yourself, and I will see you back here Wednesday at 3. See ya. Real talk.